Hello, weary traveler. Welcome. Come sit by the fire, warm yourself, be merry, drink, and be happy, and listen to another beautiful episode of What Am I Doing? That's right, you found yourself to episode two. This week, we're actually going to be doing our first interview. I'm going to be speaking with Will Gaines about the local music scene inside Oklahoma City. It's something I'm very excited about. So, I don't want to take too much time or distract away from that. I just want to say thank you for tuning in again. It's good to see you all and listen to the wonderful musings of discussion. All right, I am with Will Gaines. We're going to be talking a little bit about life and music and some other cool, fun things. So, Will, um, if you could just take a few seconds to kind of describe who you are, what you do, like what you're doing right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Well, thanks for thanks for having me do this. Um, yeah, my name is Will Gaines, and uh, I currently work at uh, Frontline Church in um, South Oklahoma City. Um, I've been a part of this church for the last 13 years and um, I'm married uh, to a wife of almost nine years, and I've got two boys, Owen and Theo. And um, I play, um, obviously, play worship at Frontline and um, do worship and, and music there. And then I also uh, play quite a bit of music outside of the church and bars and other local music scenes, things like that. And um, that's kind of what I do. Uh, I grew up in a, a small town outside of Tulsa called Pryor, Oklahoma. Um, technically Pryor Creek, not just Pryor, but Pryor <laughs> Creek. They pronounce it Pryor Creek, but um, Pryor Creek. Um, left there when I was about uh, 18 years old. Um, moved to Oklahoma City to uh, go to college uh, and went to Mid-America Christian University. And a lot of people say, hey, you know, it takes a lot of people you know, six or seven years to get through college, and they're called doctors. If you're me, it's called a ministry student that couldn't decide what he wanted to do. So I spent a lot of money and a lot of time going to college and uh, graduated in 2009 and uh, just uh, kind of been making it through day by day through the grace of God and uh, just love what I get to do. So that's kind of a little short version of where I came from and where I'm at. Yeah. So. So you, you've been here at South for, what is it, two years now? About a year and a half. About a year and a year half? And a half. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I transitioned out of, uh, I, did, I did student ministry downtown Frontline for uh, 10 years and then did a community director job for right at a year. And um, I've been here about a year and a half. Nice. I was so, actually an intern with you while yeah, you were you a are, community director. You, are, and, you uh, are probably what saved my life and I probably <laughs> wouldn't have made it without you. No, I, I think it's funny because like both of us were like, that was a rough year. I didn't, I didn't think it was any particular reason because like a you at all. Like, I just know that we were trying to learn stuff together and it was just chaotic anyway. But I, I don't know. I still look back and I'm like, I learned so much just like (laughs) learning with you. I thought that was just a really fun time of my life. So I really, I miss working with you. God definitely graced me having you, having you with me. It was a a tough year. I learned, you're right. I learned a lot too. But uh, it was it was a it was a tougher year. I look back though and see God's grace all over it. It was good. Yeah, man. So um, today I want to talk a little bit. You have a lot of interaction with the local music scene. Mm-hmm. I I mean I've been to several of your like gigs and stuff like that. I try to tune in when I can. Um, but I kind of want to know like how it all kind of started out. Um, I know you've probably sang a lot of your life. I don't know exactly if you've played like instruments your whole life or anything like that, but um, 
did your music career like did you like start playing the local scene and get involved like back in prior creek or did you actually start doing that when you moved here for did you move here actually for mid-america christian yeah for for the university okay yeah so yeah did you start did you actually start playing gigs and start doing that kind of stuff here uh well no um i uh (laughs) this is funny Uh, i'll I'll get to the funny part i um a little backstory i was um I'm from a family that was very musical. My mom was classically trained on piano, and she was a classically trained flute player. And, and so her and her six other siblings all played uh, piano and then another instrument, um, whether oh. it be brass or um, woodwind or some sort of instrument. So they were very, very, very well trained. And my dad's side of the family were a bunch of uh, backwoods Arkansas rednecks. <laughs> that could play anything they put their hands on, but couldn't tell you what notes they were playing. So couldn't read music. So I kind of, I grew up in, in, in both worlds. My parents put me in piano lessons when I was five years old. Um, and even thinking back, it's like they didn't have very much money, but they put me in piano lessons early on. And um, music was just kind of a big deal from then on. I, I started singing in church when I was, uh, my, my first time my parents say, there's video of it. I'll never show anybody, but <laughs> of me at, at about 19 months old. So about a year and a half singing Jesus Loves Me in my grandpa's church. He was a pastor. I don't know if the words made sense to anybody, but apparently the the song was in tune. So uh, it worked out. But, um, you know, further into life when I uh, kept doing piano and when I was about, fourth grade started doing some other um music with uh, playing trumpet and trombone a little bit and then um doing that was a band nerd and a choir nerd <laughs> so did all that all the way through school um, when i was about 12 i asked my dad if i could have a guitar he said here's a bass guitar learn this and i'll buy you a guitar oh, wow. and i still own that bass today i actually played it on sunday um and uh learned to play it my dad bought me a guitar and um, just kind of picked up instruments along the way um, enjoy playing um, just anything I get my hands on, electric, acoustic, bass, uh, a little bit of drums, and still play piano. Took lessons all the way up until I was 18. Did a little bit in college. Um, but I started playing music out, uh, believe it or not, when I worked at a restaurant. I was uh, 16 years old, and I worked at a, a local restaurant in Pryor called Mid-America, Mid-American Grill. Oh. And um, it uh, – they – you know, it was just one of those things where I was like, you know, learning your personality and learning who you are. I would carry my guitar around, and when there were birthdays or special events, I would get my guitar out and make up songs on the fly to <laughs> customers. Um, it was fun. Helped help my tips a whole whole lot. Oh, I'll but, bet. Um, and then I started doing some, like, weird little private parties. I'd play some cover songs in 16, 17, even 18 uh, in prior. Um and then I, I was in a couple bands in high school that played uh, songs we'd written and um, a little little nerdy uh, high school band called um, uh, G-Force. Oh, man. Yeah, we were uh, God's Force. I can't believe I'm making that out here. <laughs> God's Force. It was like it, we were trying to make everything Christian, quote, unquote. I'm using quotation marks here, but uh, trying to make everything Christian. So God's Force, right? Um, and then I later was in a band, um, uh, kind of a, a punk rock band later in high school that we played a lot of gigs and a lot of birthday parties and a lot of things like that. Um, but when I moved to Oklahoma City, I worked at another restaurant called um, Joe's Crab Shack. I'm sure you've heard of it. Oh, yeah. It's shut down now, but I'm sure you've heard of it. And I would play these outdoor patio events for bikers. We had these uh, big, <laughs> big biker nights, and I would play music and jam out. And then uh, 
what really got me started in like playing gigs though was I played a few open mic nights at a place called um, Picasso's. It used to be Galileo's in Oklahoma yeah. City. And uh, played a couple open mics and they hired me to do an open mic night every Thursday night. And my community group with Frontline, which is a kind of a house church kind of thing, we would meet on Thursday nights and then after we'd meet, we'd go to their half price pizza nights and we'd do open mic night. And that's kind of how it got started. They started to hire me to play a few gigs there. I picked up a couple coffee shop gigs at like Cuppies and Joe was one of the first. Mm. Um, and then I, I would, I, people would see me play and hire me for random parties. And it just progressed over the years. I did that as a part-time job when I worked part-time for Frontline and part-time I did music so I could quit my other job and really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun and great way to make some extra cash. And, uh, and then I got married kept doing it but when we had our first kid Owen who's now five we had him I decided I was done I was like you know I I need to just do ministry and I'll uh, I'll keep playing music for the church but I think I'm done with this and uh, my wife and I went on a date to the Jones Assembly um, when they first opened which is uh, about three and a half years ago and uh, the owners my wife used to work for and so we went and saw them and saw the new place and he was like hey don't you play music I said, yeah, I used to. He said, why don't you play here? Next thing I know, I'm playing Jones Assembly once a week for a, a long time. I mean, I've, I'm still doing it now. Um, getting to engage with them at, at least a couple times a month. But there at the beginning, it was literally every week. Uh, that's kind of what got me back into it. So that's kind of the start, you know, mm-hmm. where I went to. But, yeah. That's awesome. So would you say, I know, like, you started, like, doing that uh – open mic night for Joe's Crab Shack and then finding other places. Um, was that kind of like a difficult transition starting to play like, oh, this is kind of an easy in because I work here already mm-hmm. to like, was it just people inviting you like, hey, we saw you here. Why don't you just come play here? Yeah. Or, like, was it like that kind of like, was it just kind of like that ease in that you kind of had? Yeah, it's always the awkward thing when you don't do something like that full time. People come up and they're like, hey, do you have a card? I'm like, what's a card that's like well, a call. oh you mean like my contact information i'm like uh no but i can tell you my name and my phone number here's my email um i would do that and then i get hired for weddings and um you know I, i've gotten hired for a bunch of private parties uh private parties are a lot of fun because there's really low expectations like hey we just want some background music we play some cover tunes and i play and they hang out you yeah know? so uh that's kind of how I, I i got into more of the streams people just hearing me and going oh this guy play songs I know let's do this you know yeah so so um you said you played for Cuppies and Joe were there some other places around OKC that people would be familiar with oh gosh I'd have to think um uh there was a pizza place in the Paseo I can't remember the name of it I think they're still there is it Sauced Sauced I played at Sauced a couple yeah, times yeah man um I uh oh goodness I played at Joey's Pizzeria couple times oh they didn't really consistently do live music they thought they'd try it and they let me come in a couple times um i uh i did uh i did play for uh burn by rocky patel cigar lounge in oklahoma city probably one of the cooler cigar lounges in the city if you are looking for a place that's strictly cigar lounge type but uh played a lot of gigs for them and then began to get into the booking scene because i met so many musicians it was like, oh, I'll just start booking for them. So they hired me to book for them as well. I already mentioned the Jones Assembly. Um, gosh, um, there's I know there's more. I just can't think of them off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah, several in the city. So when, how long had you been playing gigs and everything? Whenever you guys had Owen and you started to take a little bit of that break, 
how, how much was I playing before that? Yeah. I mean, you know, it was it was a part time it was a part time gig, and I was trying to bring in you know anywhere between five and seven hundred dollars a month, and so okay, um, I was getting pretty creative with trying to book you know a couple big events a month, whether it be a wedding, and also trying to book really heavily in wedding seasons and putting mm. money aside, things like that. But I, I mean, I was playing a couple times a month, you know, doing actual gigs, and then a couple times a month doing weddings and parties. Yeah, just depending on what was going on. So when you jumped back in, you were you had the Jones Assembly reach out to you, and then I know you started playing at like the Burn and stuff like that. Were there other are there other venues that you are that you have been recent like over the past couple of years or hat that you play yeah. at right now? VZDs, I've, I've played there several times. Uh, great guys. I'm one of the owners, I used to book him for Burn, and he used to do booking for other companies and or other restaurants. And so I've, I've played there played there a few times. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I like VZDs. They have a really good open mic night. Yeah, they do. It's it's, yeah. it's pretty cool. The guy that runs, it's a really great guy. Yeah, they're they've always been like really kind. Yeah. Like anytime, like I've ventured out there. So. And they're one of those places that's helpful because it's one one of the things I would love to see in Oklahoma City is see our music scene grow enough. And one of the ways it has to grow is for more restaurants to be willing to say, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna bite the bullet and hire musicians to come, you know, play. Yeah and be a part of this. So I think that's one of the ways that VZDs and Jones Assembly and Burn, places like that are really keeping musicians employed is actually being generous enough to pay musicians to come play. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know that can definitely be a hard thing because, like, a lot of people are like, well, yeah, just come and play and, like, yeah. we'll give you, like, a free beer or something like that. But a lot of musicians, they're trying to make a living out of yeah. it. So, like, yeah, of course you want to play those gigs and, like, make connections, but, like, Hey, if you want to do it consistently, that's really hard. Yeah, so, is. like, I know VZDs, I know um, Sauce. I don't know if they've done anything in a while, but I know for a while they had like open <laughs> mic nights and like a paid performer every right. week. So, right. I know there's a lot of stuff like that. And uh, um, the the people that own La Brasa and like Kongs, I've done some stuff with oh, them yeah. as well. Um, I booked for La Brasa for a little bit. And, you know, it, it, it's tough, man. Local restaurant scene is it's tough to. to to make money, you know, mm -hmm. it really is for the restaurant as well. And so for the restaurant to say, oh, we're going to actually put out this much money for musicians, it's really got to help them bring more customers in to oh, make yeah, sense. for sure. So it's it's tough. It's, it's you know, there's there's restaurants that can pay with a free beer. There's some that can pay 50 bucks or some that can pay $500. It just depends on what restaurant it is and who's got the ability and wherewithal to pay. Yeah, it's just you kind of have to know those connections once yeah. again. That's yeah. I feel like that's what the local music scene, like no matter if you're like used to it or like you're starting out, you just have to have connections. Yeah. And I wish there was a I wish there was a good on-ramp in the city for mu young musicians to go, you know what, I want to play in the local scene, but I don't know how to get started. Yeah. I wish there was some way in the city that we could start something to make it accessible for young guys like I was at 19 to come in and go, oh, there's a place doing an open mic. I'm going to go there and maybe it'll go from, go from there on. There mm -hmm. was an old video game I used to play. Um, I couldn't tell you the name of it right now. It was a <laughs> computer video game and it was literally a guitar pick that plugged into where the printer plugged in Whoa. and you would use a tennis racket to strum. And it was like the original guitar hero. And it was back from like the late nineties, early two thousands. And wow. uh, you started off in your bedroom playing and, uh, 
it was like old rock songs like Aerosmith and Kiss and stuff mm-hmm. like that. The classics. And, yeah. And, and when you got good enough, you would move to a garage band. And then you got good enough from there, you'd move to the bar scene. You got good enough from there, you'd move to a stadium. And it was like a, pro, a progress of like, yeah. you make it further, the better you got with the songs. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's so much how it is now. It's like, you know, where can I start? Yeah. Where can I begin? And like, what coffee shop will allow me to come in and I'll play for free mm-hmm. just to come in. And But then you, you, you know, you run into the danger of someone coming in that really doesn't know what they're doing and actually does harm to the coffee shop because they're terrible. Yeah. So there's got to be some level of like, okay, how do we find the right musicians for this, yeah. this place? And I think like open mic nights are actually a really good thing. Like some people, they don't, they don't appreciate them. They think like, it's just like amateur hour or something like that. But like, I think if you're going to have someone dedicated who's coming, like, they don't have to come every time you do it, but, like, coming regularly and, like, you're like, this guy's actually, like, good. These th- these people are, like, good. Like, I think that's whenever you can start moving up. Like, I think that's a good way to judge. Yeah. Like, I don't and see And if places, you know, if restaurants can do open mic nights, what it does for the restaurant, too, is that it ensures that probably 10 to 20 people are going to come there and buy a burger and sign up to do open mic. Yeah. So they make a sale, even if they are bad. I remember doing a couple open mic nights and a few people coming up and I was like, oh my gosh, it was horrible, you know, <laughs> but they, and then again, the person running the open mic has to be able to go, Hey man, I just don't think it's a good fit for you to do this and mm-hmm. be, be okay saying that. But yeah. You it, have to be it, honest with people. World. Yeah. I mean, heck, like even at the, at my worst, like when I've done like an open mic hat or something, like I think I've brought at least like five or six people. Mm-hmm. So that's like five that's or right. six extra people. And if you're, that's if you're even telling like somebody, hey, I'm, I'm going to play a couple slots, two or three songs, you should come. You, know, you get 10 people there. It's like, oh they, yeah, they, they make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Even if, even if you don't like buy a dinner, like a lot of those places are like have alcoholic drinks. That's at least what 10 bucks itself. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I know that you played for New Year's Eve with the Arts Council. Mm-hmm. How did that come about? Yeah, um, those guys are great, man. I, I, I love the Arts Council, what they're doing in the city, what they're doing for artists of all different genres. You know, um, I was playing at the Jones, and uh, um, a couple of the guys were there, and they hit me up and asked for my phone number and said, "Hey, can we hire you to come play Arts Council?" Deal. You know, and it was different this year. It was supposed to be live, but because of COVID nineteen, obviously. They had to do some pre-recording, and it, it, it was it was not I'm sure what they wanted exactly, but they were still able to do it, and so it was a pretty sweet gig. Um, and uh, uh, man, it was it, I felt honored to be a part. I was shocked they asked me, <clears throat> um, but it, it really was a lot of fun, even though it was really cold when I recorded it. Yeah, it was cold. Very, that, wasn't it cold. raining earlier it, that night? It was raining earlier that day, and then the next day it snowed. Oh so man, it was like I I remember being out there. And they're like, hey, just play a song, take a break, play a song, take a break, which they weren't able to edit it, which I wish they could have. But it, it, it was fine. It was like I had to warm my hands up and I had to retune my guitar because if you're a musician, you know, you're in the cold. It oh, yeah. Hold up. I've played Christmas parades before and it's just like I don't know how to like do yeah. long spurts because yeah. like my hands just start to hurt so bad. I, and I, you know, a couple of the places that I played, I, I played Chisholm Creek a couple times in their outdoor space. I played those in the winter. And it's, oh, it's cold, mm-hmm. but it's such a neat spot where, you know, people are shopping and they put you in the speakers, the whole Chisholm Creek area so everybody can hear you. And I've also played Chalk, um, which is a really neat sports bar in Chisholm Creek. And they've got a, a really incredible outdoor patio. Okay. If you're like worried about COVID stuff and you want to go when it gets warmer, that's a great spot that overlooks all Chisholm Creek. And in, in, in the spring, summer and fall, they do live music up there. Okay. And so it's it's a pretty neat place, but yeah, the cold weather makes a big difference. 
I think I'd, I'd rather play in scorching heat than the cold. Oh, for Freezing sure. Cold. I'll <laughs> agree with that. Yeah. So this is kind of a, uh, I guess, a sharp turn around the corner. It's okay. Um, so you've booked for Jones. You've done all that. What does booking look like? Because, I mean... I can come at it from like a performer's like standing, like that's easy to look, but like I can't like what is kind of help me wrap my mind around like yeah. what the booking looks like because yeah. I'll bet that's a completely different adventure. It, it is, yeah, and it's one of those things where it's like I, I, I've learned a lot from the booking that I wish I would have known when I did book. Um, I've, I've thought about starting a booking agency. I've, I've talked with a couple guys about it. it. It's it's one of those things where you have to go at every venue, understanding. What's the vibe? What's the feel? What's the approach? Um, you know, it, it, it's like I would never book the same people that I booked for Burn necessarily that I would book at Jones. The Jones Assembly has a very upbeat feel. You're outside. People are are. Um, it, it's more, got more of a party vibe or more yeah. of a hangout vibe. Whereas the Burn is is very chill, relaxed, sit back. It's background music. It doesn't need to be too loud. But then as the night progresses, it gets louder and, and people party a little bit more. But it's just a different feel. It's a darker room. And so you got to go at everything a little different. When I booked for La Brasa, um, the, the, the feel there, they, they, they kind of wanted more of an upbeat, almost almost like a, like a jazzy techno feel, you know. Yeah. And so you got to find the right musicians to play the right type of venues. And so it, it's a lot harder. And then, you, you know, you're, you live in the world of, of – people being upset with you too you know it's like you're turning down musicians that are probably really good they just don't fit the demographic of what that certain venue gives yeah. so you've got to learn the the kind of the dna and the culture of what the restaurant or bar represents and then book based off of that you know yeah and it it's really challenging because there's there's a lot of trial and error too it's like you know what i might try this guy out. there's a lot of times at burn i try a guy out and it wasn't that he was bad. There's a couple times some of the musicians were just flat bad. <laughs> um, but sometimes I'd book people and they were really good, but they just weren't a good fit, you know. Um, and so, uh, you know, you had to make decisions where you're like, hey, man, I can't book you here anymore. And they'd be upset. But it was one of those deals that just had to happen because it wasn't the best fit. It's, so booking is definitely a challenge. It's a, it's a whole different world where you're constantly having to have your finger on the pulse of the actual establishment. What's happening um, what kind of music fits, you know, things like that. Yeah. I guess with that, I mean, with the places that you were booking for, was it something like you were trying to be there regularly, maybe just like hang out there, like try to get people to hang out with you there so you could get feel and even maybe even see, I guess that would take like kind of knowing the area because yeah. like Chisholm Creek, like even the like culture there is going to be completely different than La Brasa yeah. or even the Jones, like the Jones and Chisholm Creek would probably be a little similar, but mm -hmm. since like, you know, Chisholm Creek has multiple places. It has like, a, it's more of like that specific hangout while yeah. the Jones is more like a vibe and eat and right. like kind of chill and hang. Right. So it, I guess you'd have to get used to those different cultures too. Yeah, m most definitely. You, you know, you, you've, one of the things, like, yes, I would try to be there as much as I could. But, you know, with a family, it's like I can't be gone every night while they're having music. It's yeah. tough. You know, I don't like to book myself any more than two or three gigs a month working a full-time job because it's just I can't be away from my family that much. Yeah. And so if I were doing it full-time, it would be a different story. You know, there's 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 phenomenal musicians out there. Like, you've got guys like Chase Kirby, who's a incredible singer-songwriter. You've got guys like Jose Hernandez, phenomenal singer-songwriter. Um, you've got... 
guys like Noah Ng, who does a really unique genre of like rockabilly style music. Um, you, you've got all these different musicians that are so gifted and talented, and we, we, we've got to be able to put we got to be able to put those guys on the map and help our our you know music culture grow. And, and, and the way that it's happening is places like Chisholm Creek opening up to more musicians and places like the Jones opening up to more musicians. It's pretty, it's pretty incredible. But yeah, but booking those, booking those guys, it's like, do, do they fit these spots? Do they fit these places? And I've worked with all those guys. Those guys are fantastic and also receive feedback really well. So you're able to book them in the right places at the right times. And it's yeah. great. That's awesome. So in the last 12 months, uh, with COVID, with all of that, you know, bars like closing, even gigs like having to come to a screeching halt. Um, one for you personally, like how did that affect you uh, with music or uh, honestly, just like how did that affect you? Like what kind of impact did it have on you? And then what kind of impact do you think it had like on our city's music scene? Because mm. I know, well, I mean, there's the one thing where it was the Save the Stage Act. Mm-hmm. Um, was it called that? It, yeah, was it was something like that. Like that yeah. But basically just helping places like the Tower Theater, Criterion, mm-hmm. and stuff like that just to be able to like help them with no business because of COVID. Yeah. So like how did that how did that impact you personally? And then how do you think it impacted like our city's music scene? Man, that's a that's a great question. You know, it, it, it it's hard when it, it yeah, it definitely impacts me because I love the art of what I get to do. There's an art that and a level of creativity that my heart and mind needs as a creative. Um, it was a bit of a bummer, but that, you know, that we, we learned so much during the beginning of COVID. I remember March being like, what if I just did a online open mic or not open mic, but an online show yeah. where I could play. And I did a, I did a couple of those. I did a couple where I threw my, my avenues of tips up and in 45 minutes made $90, things like that. It was like, Oh, it's a little bit helpful, but you know, since I have a full-time job, it wasn't as much of an effect on me. You know, right. I, I'm working outside of this. But I watch guys like, like I mentioned him earlier, Noah Ng work so hard um, at continuing to help not just himself but other musicians in the city, which is pretty pretty impressive. Watching him do these garage sessions, um, raising money and awareness to musicians who do this full-time. You know, yeah. um, and it definitely it definitely affected. But I think it also brought some awareness to the fact that like there are more jobs out there and jobs that are creative like local musicians that want to do this full time. And I think it's great. Yeah. And, and learning that, okay, we need to do a better job as a city in learning how we can, um, raise support or have more of our restaurants have some sort of artist support to pay musicians to come play. I think that's a, a huge deal that we need to work on in our city that I think would help our city grow and put our city more on the map than it already is. You got, you got cities like Tulsa that are killing it with their music scene, just killing it. Cities like Austin that are just incredible, incredible. Yeah. Even their street musicians are just phenomenal. Nashville, obviously doing a great job. Oh, for sure. It makes me mad that Tulsa's doing a great job because I feel like <laughs> Oklahoma City's way better than Tulsa. That's just me. Sorry, Tulsa friends. Um, but, but, I think we need to be more on the map. And I think that some of the ways we can do that is figuring out how to get more restaurants on board, more bars on board for doing a one start with one night a week, local music, um, hitting up guys like myself or Noah or Chase Kirby or Jose Hernandez and be like, Hey, can you help me out? How do I do this? Yeah. Um, I trust all those guys to say, Hey, can I, can I pull this off? You know, can I start with paying 50 bucks for, you know, two hours of music? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. 50 bucks, give them a bar tab. 
give them a tip jar and encourage people that actually go to restaurants to go, you know what, I'm going to tip not only my bartender and waitress, I'm going to tip the musician that's here. Yeah. Um, I think that when COVID does calm down a bit, I think that more people are going to appreciate way more what it means to actually go out in public and actually oh, for sure. have a drink and have a good meal and listen to live music and appreciate it. So I think that's kind of what we need. Yeah. I think I've definitely seen in the last year, it probably took, I think it was a couple months in, I think it took a minute to realize, but people were like, man, we really like miss live music. Mm-hmm. Like even people like I, I play music, I'm around other people who play music. So I hear it more, but like even my friends who don't normally do that kind of stuff, they're like, I miss having live music at like this bar or this coffee shop. I'm, I know. And like, now I'm like considering, man, I wonder what they're doing for money. Like that's hitting everybody hard, but that was their job and yeah. they're literally supposed to be out there in the public and now yeah. they can't. Yeah. So I think it's been a really good year for like awareness of it. And I do think you're right. Like whenever we get back into a more calm season of COVID and when we can actually be kind of close to each other a little bit, mm-hmm. I think that's going to like, I think the city's going to start caring more about that. Yeah. Well, and, I, and, and, and you know, I don't want to put all the weight on restaurants and bars either. I think what's, what could be really unique is if our city was like, you know what, we want to support local musicians in such a way that it's like restaurants and bars don't have to pay anything. People are just willing to tip. You know, yeah. if, if you think about it, if I played a gig at the Jones Assembly and the Jones Assembly was not responsible paying at all, I was responsible of putting a tip jar out and putting my Venmo, my Cash App, and my PayPal. Mm-hmm. And if every person that was out on that patio tipped $5, that musician in three hours would walk away with a pretty good chunk of money. Oh, yeah. And nothing would be on the Jones Assembly. I'm to the point where I love the Jones Assembly so much and love playing there. I would play there for free. Don't tell them that. Uh, but I would, <laughs> I would play there for free and just let people tip me. Um, they're such a unique and, and beautiful place to go. They, they, they've changed the they've changed the game when it comes to how Oklahoma City does live music and how they even do food and entertainment at the same time. Oh they yeah, just changed the game on it. Um, but yeah, I think we need to put some of the weight on the people that actually go out too. Mm-hmm. It's like if I go out to a restaurant and I know I'm going there because there's live music, I'm I'm sure as heck going to put a twenty dollar bill in my pocket to make sure I can pay them. Oh yeah, you know what I mean? It's just a way to it's a way to do a simple act to support and grow. It grows our economy. It grows our our uh, uh, our awareness of musicians. It, it it helps people who are doing that full time actually make a living. It's it's incredible. Yeah. For sure. I agree. I mean, that's like with tips as well. Just like, hey, if you're going to go out and like have someone serve you, like be, be tip them. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's I'm, like I music too. The, I remember doing the, early on doing, you know, waiting tables and bartending. It was like, it's pretty common to get a 10% tip. And I'm, I look back now, I'm like, that is so horrible. People should be tipping 18 to 25% on a regular basis. Yeah. And it's like, man, I, uh, I, I just think if you're going to go out, prepare to tip and give money to not just the bartender, not just the waitress, waiter, but the musician, if the musician's there. Yeah, man. So I, I Hey, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Yeah. I'm thank you so much for sitting down with me. Um, I'm really excited for this and I'm, I'm excited to like, just kind of see more of like your music. Um, I see like what you're doing in the coming 2021 when hopefully COVID gets a little bit better. You know, we start to reach that. Um, I have one last question for you. This is kind of just like a thoughtful question. Um, Don't have to answer it a specific way, but I know that in the last probably year, there's been a lot of people who have 
expressed interest in like they've like they've been able to put music online because that's the kind of year we've been in Mm -hmm. but people who want to actually like play more what kind of what kind of thoughts would you have maybe even precautions or even just like words would you have to say like hey if you're going to start trying to like get your music out there and actually physically start getting connections what kind of what kind of words would you have for them yeah that's a great question um, I don't know if this is the right answer. I mean, just it's probably just an answer. There's probably so many answers that could come along with this. Oh yeah. But, you know, if you get on TikTok, if you get on social media, you know, Instagram, um, the way people are, are kind of making it right now is cover music. Mm-hmm. You know, that's primarily what I do. It's like I remember a guy telling me like, "Why don't you play more of your own songs out in public?" You know, like Jones and some of the things like that. I'm like, "Well, I I'd love to, but I just don't think that's the avenue to do it. If you want to make money at this." Here's my opinion. It could be wrong. If you want to make money at this and you're not worried about whether you get your own songs out, be creative with songs that already exist. One of the ways that kind of got me on the map in some ways was playing Taylor Swift songs in a creative way. You know, it's like, (laughs) how can I take some blonde chick that writes songs about all the boyfriends she hates and go, how funny is it that a big 250 pound bearded dude is up there (laughs) singing Taylor Swift songs that, that got people's attention. Um, when I played Disney tunes that were like completely redone to be, feel like an acoustic set, it's just, yep. you just, just be creative, be creative, you know, and, and also be willing to accept that maybe, maybe this isn't the avenue for you. It's okay. Like may, maybe it's just not a good fit, but, but be creative, get online, watch what the other musicians do and try to do something that's different, you know? Um, and I think also it's like, be aware where you're playing. I've watched the, one of the biggest mistakes I've watched musicians do. In, in, in the area of booking is coming in and trying to, I don't even know if I know how to put r- real words to this, but coming in and one just talking in between each song or trying to set up every single song. And it's like, man, just play your music, play your music. Don't get up there and try to do some weird performance. Just play your songs, mm-hmm. be yourself. And, and, and then it's like, read the crowd. You know, one of the things I do on a regular basis is if, if even at the Jones, every time I play, if I get up and there's only one table out there, I'm not going to get up there and start out with my banging song. Yep. I say I really honestly save my most popular songs for my second or third set out of my three sets a night. And I start off with songs that are really quiet, really chill, and I ease my way in. It's like I'm going to play something like a Sufjan Stevens song, really chill in the background, and I'm going to start I'm going to watch people. Most of my most of my work playing live gigs is watching the reactions of people. If you see people mumbling the words to your songs and bobbing their head, starting to move, they're engaging with you. Mm-hmm. And so engage back. Okay, what, what's the next song you do? If, if, early, if late 90s and early 2000s songs are a big hit that night, look, look at the demographic of your crowd. It's like reading people. Is it mostly 30s and 40-year-old people? Play early 2000s songs. Yeah. Is it 50 and 60-year-olds? Play some 70s and 80s songs. Do, do, do what you need to do to fit your demographic. And as you fight for that, it's like, it's just m- most of my job in playing music is not playing the songs itself. It's reading the crowd and learning what does the crowd actually want to hear in this moment. Yeah. I've also learned that if people are not paying attention to me, I have just become background music and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Just be background music. Don't try to overdo it. Don't try to get their attention. It's like just be background music. Sometimes people walk up and be like, man, it's been really nice just to have you in the background while I'm talking to my friends. And I noticed you played that song and here's 20 bucks. You know, yeah. how that happened. Um, and you know what? Be okay with off nights. This is a big deal too. It's like, I can't tell you how many gigs I've gone to or played at where it's just been an off night. My voice wasn't where I want it to be. That I sounded weird. Be okay with that off night. 
jump back in the next time. Um, they're going to be off nights. Um, but read your crowd, man. I know that's a little scattered answer, but read your crowd. Um, learn songs from all over the place, all over the spectrum. Don't just learn one genre. Learn them from all over the place. Learn country. Learn pop. Learn, you know, rock. Learn classic rock. Learn new age rock, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Learn, learn as much as you can. You know, I play everything from a Nirvana song to a Taylor Swift song to, you know, Chris Stapleton, whatever, whatever yeah. I'm fine. You know, it's like, oh, this is a cool song to cover. I'm actually learning um, a Hawthorne Heights song right now. I'm trying to make it an acoustic <laughs> song. Like, this will be fun. Go. All the angsty, uh, angsty 30 year olds would be like, this is really cool. Yeah. <laughs> so you're going to have a lot of, uh, what is that? Nostalgic 30 yeah. year olds like, oh e- man, emo's Hawthorne not Heights. dead, man. Emo's not dead. <laughs> Hey, I hope you enjoyed this episode with Will Gaines. I know I had a lot of fun making this interview and just talking with him, learning about these things. Um, If you ever have any questions that you'd like to hear answered on the podcast or maybe topics discussed, feel free to reach out to one of my social medias. We always got the Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, even TikTok. So you can always ask questions there. And I have a little treat for us next week. Um, There's going to be a mini episode of me and a friend talking about some new music releases that happened. I didn't want to cut it short because it was such a good talk. I didn't want to take away from anything in the interview with Will. So there's going to be a mini episode next week, kind of continuing a talk about music. Um, Man, I just want to say I really appreciate all of you guys. I uh, love having these conversations with you, and I hope that you have a good week, a good weekend. Enjoy whatever day you're going through. Safe travels, friends. Until later.